Hey, it's Kathy. Before we get into today's episode, I have something so cool to tell you about. I'm kicking off a free training. It's a free five-day abundance activation challenge. It starts on May 6th, and I'll be going live every day with you to give you the practical tools that you need to become a master manifester and create more abundance in your life. If you're curious about manifesting and elevating your vibration to start attracting more abundance, if you want tools you can use to tap into the high vibe energy at the drop of a hat, or you're simply seeking truth and joy in life, this challenge is designed for you. I'll be covering the practices and tools to tune your vibration, claim your worth, and co-create with the universe. It's just going to be so much fun. This is the thing that I have been most excited to put together, and I have been working on this behind the scenes really for the last two years, and it's finally here. And if you wanted to just do a deep dive into all the spiritual and all the energetic tools that really you can use that are right here that are within you that will allow all these incredible gifts that are hidden in plain sight already to start being a part of your life. I'm so excited for this. We always have so much fun, but this is actually something I've been working on for over two years and it's finally here. So save your spot now. You can sign up for free at kathyheller.com slash five day and that's the number five. Thanks to First Leaf for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world right to your door. Join today and you're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to BetterHelp. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Start living a better life today. We're also supported by Purple. Your Purple mattress really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Get 10% off any order of $200 or more by going to purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I'm really excited because Eliza Schlesinger is here today and she's delightful. She's somebody who I've been a fan of for years. So I'm really excited to share the conversation with you. Before we get started, I just want to say one more time, do you know that I'm doing a virtual retreat? It's called Welcome Soul. It's happening Sunday, April 11th from 10 to 6. There'll be a little break for lunch. We're having surprise guests like Susie Moore, who's incredible. She'll be doing some success mapping with us. Heidi Stevens will be there. She'll be leading us in some breath work. Rabbi David Aaron will be there to have a conversation about mysticism and Kabbalah and answering some questions about all that. And I'll be with you to help you step into your calling. We will do some reflection, some manifesting, some visualization, some meditation, and you will start to tune in and attune to what feels most aligned so that you can call in and create this life that's already there for you, just waiting for you to allow it in. So all you got to do to join us is go to welcomesoul.com. There's a little space left and we'd love to see you there. It's going to be such a fun day. I can't wait. All right. Well, I'm so excited for today's episode. Eliza Schlesinger is here. She's one of my favorite comedians. She's also an author, actress, and podcaster. She was the first female and youngest winner of NBC's Last Comic Standing, and she has had five Netflix specials, including Freezing Hot, Elder Millennial, Unveiled, and the Eliza Schlesinger Sketch Show. Her book is called Girl Logic, and you can go listen to her podcast, Ask Eliza Anything, where she offers up her unique perspective to listeners and answers their questions on virtually any topic like relationships, workplace dilemmas, or even the best way to eat, Sour Patch Kids. Also check out her home cooking series called Don't Panic Pantry. Every Monday and Thursday, she and her husband go live on her Instagram, which is at Eliza S, and they broadcast their cooking sessions. They're so cute together. They started it during the pandemic and they've been doing it for over a year, which is pretty amazing. Eliza has headlined at Montreal's Just for Laughs Festival and the New York Comedy Festival. She's appeared multiple times on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Late Show with James Corden, and The Today Show. She's one of the funniest human beings, and what I love about her is how she just keeps it so real. She has this aura of being really confident and comfortable in her own skin, which is so rare and such a cool thing to see. I know that you're going to love this conversation. Without further ado, please welcome the one and only Eliza Schlesinger. Eliza, I'm so happy that you're here right now. Thanks for making the time. I'm Kathy. I've seen you live probably 49 times. Wow. And you are just such a gem. 
the most sort of dynamic combination of somebody who's genuine and then hilarious and lovable. I just am such a big fan. Oh my God. Will you please write my bio? Yeah. Because like right all now. the things you're saying are all the things I've always wanted people to get. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Thank you. And so we're Jewish. My husband and I were Jewish and we were trying to think of a name for my daughter. I was pregnant at the time and we were seeing you for like the 38th time. And I was like, wait, she's an awesome Jewish girl and she's the best. So we're naming her Eliza. So oh my I God. named my daughter Eliza. As a, as How did you spell it? Differently, you differently. Like, we with spelled the hers e. the normal way because we didn't want it to be. <laughs> we didn't want our daughter to grow up to be a comic. Uh, I, well, that is such a compliment, and thank you. Wow, I not prepared for this no. much kindness. Thank you, Kathy. I don't know. Wow. And I said to my husband just before, I was like, "She's going to be really nice." I just know. So thank you for being here. All right. So can we go back to the beginning? When did you know that this was what you were going to do? Were you like four or seventeen or twenty-seven? I don't remember. I'd have to ask my mom, but I think my whole life, I've always known I was going to be funny for a living. There was like a brief period there when I was like six that I thought I was going to be an archaeologist. Um, but <laughs> and I, ha- I still have the rock collection to prove it. But I always knew I was going to be funny for a living. And I remember thinking, because, you know, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, so not Los Angeles and not Universal Studios in Orlando where they shot all the Nickelodeon shows. I just remember thinking like, I'll just have to wait till I get older. And in the meantime, because there was no outlet for anything, so I would just find, like I would get to go to performing arts camp and I was in the improv troupe and I would write sketches endlessly just by myself, just for the exercise of it, because I liked it and I would film them. You know, you get all your friends and you would redo Saturday Night Live sketches or you'd redo your own things. You'd make your own movies. And if the teacher gave you, this is so funny, the teacher would always give these options. Like, do you want to do a book report? like an oral presentation or a film sketch. You're like, a film sketch? I'm not actually trying to learn about combustion engines. <laughs> always like finding that way. I did love going to school. I love learning. So I never wanted to like, I was never rude to the teacher, but you always wanted the teacher to laugh, you know, friends to laugh. And uh, I would just find chances to perform camp improv troops wherever I could because I was such a student of comedy as it were. But I, and that, that's it. So it just kind of- Okay, about- so then what? But that's like a big- leap from that although that is pretty cool that as a younger person you loved you knew that you loved writing sketches and you had this thought I guess I'll just wait till I'm older as if like this is what's happening like it's so it is it's done what are you gonna do yeah I'll just wait (laughs) and then what actually happens like you move to LA like tell us sort of the behind the scenes of the story I I people always I think people are like they're waiting for then like a tragedy happen and then something this really was an example of I've always known I was going to do it but I I didn't know the way to do it now there's no wrong way to get into comedy and there's no wrong way to get into stand-up and very few people listening to your podcast probably want that but I will say this there's no rules so whatever like that studio of like wild west that is comedy and that is show business like you just there's always precedent set but then somebody breaks it and then it's your own thing so the one thing I very I learned very quickly that I believe is like no one really knows what's going on I remember (laughs) it used to be you know to get an hour on comedy central you had to do your first hour your half hour first but then people just got hours and bypassed the half hour and all of a sudden it wasn't a rule anymore like everything's made up I love that as a t-shirt no one actually knows what the hell nobody knows yeah Mm-mm. The key is to find those people and get them to let you in <laughs> um I moved to LA and I started doing there was like a switch that flipped I had done a sketch troupe in college and I went to film school but I worked really hard at that like that was like our thing and I kind of decided I don't want to write for the people in my troupe anymore I can just say these things by myself like I don't need a counsel to tell me that, oh, I'm going to be the mom in this sketch, or I'm going to be the girlfriend or something weird. I was like, I'm just going to do my own thing. And I wrote a one man show and I took pieces of that and I came to LA and I didn't know how one could perform stand up. I had never been in an improv. I'd never even heard of the comedy store. And I found like a newspaper and in the back of it, there was this ad for this like stand up school. And I remember thinking like, I don't need like, you're either funny or you're not. Like, I hate to tell you that, folks. You, and I was just like, I don't need a school. <laughs> but I also don't think I need to learn anything. Like, I'm like, I know everything. And one of the things was, if you take the class, you get a showcase. And I remember thinking, right. okay, I well, if that. I could just get that showcase, then everyone will see that I'm a star. <laughs> Turns out I, like, read the thing wrong. The showcase doesn't come at the end of level <laughs> one. You've got to, like, clear your feet and go to level two, whatever. 
so but but I met another comic uh, in the class uh, and he said to me he was like because I would help people in the class write their jokes I think people there were just there for like a release and he said we do stand up at this bar that doesn't exist anymore on Thursdays why don't you come so I found my home with this group of guys who put on a stand-up show at a bar and then I speak slowly became a, I started doing those shows smaller shows became a paid regular at like the improv and then they would send me out on weekends to like various improvs around the the Southland area so you're just doing this with a day job just sort of going where the current takes you without any real mentorship or any real blueprint other than I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to keep doing this. And I loved it. And I still do love it so much, which is why my voice sounds like this. Cause sometimes you do too many shows. You have the cutest voice. Like even that raspy part is a very sexy, adorable, I, like the cute that, Kathleen Turner. As a, as a comic, I aim to just be sexy, sensual. Uh, <laughs> it's usually not this blown out and I worry for it, but I am about to pour a gallon of coffee down it. Yes, as soon as you it gets are. brought in here. So here's the thing, what you just said, it's so Herculean because I can't think of something scarier. I can't than getting on stage and figuring out material in front of a crowd because you can tell right away in the room if it's working or not, right? And you, I mean, and we know yeah. the, the story is that you're actually so freaking good at it, but it still doesn't take away the fact that it takes courage to do it. For people who are listening, who are so scared of doing the thing that they want to do, even the people who are good at the things that they do, they're still scared of doing them. How do we push through the fear of sucking at something or beginning something? How did you do that? I mean, I think the answer to your question is different than how did I do it? Because the answer to your question is, and this is my advice to anyone, there's so many things in life that are scary. And it's not so much that you want to do them, but you want to have done them. Right. 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 Like a surgery or like, climbing a mountain you're like it's not the act of it like I just want to have set I want to yeah, have done it done so and I hate just do it but if you only knew how little people were invested in you failing or succeeding wow like whether you do it or not it doesn't matter to other people people love the narrative of like no one said I could do it and then I did it's like it was probably like two people <laughs> that like you asked and they were like you probably shouldn't because they were like wanting you to be safe the number of comics who are right. horrible, horrible, do not understand timing, have the worst material <laughs> that have been doing it as long as I have. And I think to myself, like, did no one tell you no? Or did everyone tell you no? And you were like, no, I got this. Or <laughs> nobody bothered to tell you no. And right. you took that as a green light from the universe. Either way, tomorrow that person could become famous because taste doesn't always matter. Yeah. So other people's opinions, not opinions, you can turn them into the motivation you need, or you can just go deep inside and be like, I only have one life and I came to play. And are you really going to, in five years from now, don't you want to have done it? A year from now, don't you want to have done this? I, I think about that all the time with stand up at 38, just the frequency with which I do it now. But like, start when you have the energy and you have the stupidity and you just you you can just go it's like a gift to your older self like look at the groundwork I laid for you yeah first of all do it that is so liberating when you're like no one actually cares they don't people are so self-involved no one's interested in us so that's really just so freeing to hear you say that and then I love this I this is just so powerful when you're like it's your one shot you're gonna do it or you're not gonna do it so the thing is, I've seen you live so many times and I'll tell you what's so awesome is that as soon as you walk on stage, I feel at ease because I feel oh. like you're relaxed. This is what I was going to ask you because there are people who are just so brilliant, like Larry David, right? And mm-hmm. we know these stories where he'll be like, I would walk out and just be like, um, no, and then not do a show because he. <laughs> he felt like insulted or like he thought someone in the first row was mean or he didn't like his t-shirt. So the thing about it is if someone even like him can be sort of swayed, I want to know what you think allows you to be so damn relaxed. Cause I noticed that about you that you're like, what's up? Like, I'm good. Like we're all fine. Like, and therefore you get everyone's buy-in right away. But how are you feeling? That's how you seem to me, but how are you feeling? That's funny because I don't think of myself as a relaxed person. I'm not an uptight person, but I'm just kind of like, 
I don't even know if intense is the word, although some would describe it as that. It really comes down more to you decide how your audience is going to be and you teach them how to treat you. And you do this on a broader level with venues, you know, certain venues. It's okay that the audience is acting like animals and throwing fights or breaking out. And some venues, it's like not here, like, you know, better. And you teach your audience what to expect from you and you teach them what you will and won't put up with and letting them know, you know, if you think about it from a financial perspective, these people, let's say you're at a club, like let's say I'm just dropping in to do a set at the improv or something. These people are spending what in many cases is their only disposable income on this two drink minimum. These drinks are not inexpensive and an Uber to get there and a basket of chicken fingers. And (laughs) they, nobody shows up wanting to have a bad time. They want to know that they're in the hands of a professional. Who are you going to trust more if you're going skydiving? The guy that's like, hey, I've done a million of these. You're going to be so safe. Hold my hand. Or the guy that's like, I think this thing is broken. I'm not sure. Let's just pray. You know, so I'm there to have a good time and I'm there to do work. And I'm so grateful. It's never lost on me that people are choosing to spend time with me and on me, which I think is the greatest commodity is like giving someone your time. Absolutely. Um, So I respect it and I respect it. I don't show up to work drunk. I have a a policy. Like I don't drink or do any drugs before a show. There is an inherent respect for the fact that you've chosen to come here and I want people to have fun. And if you're not having fun, I'm going to shift it so that at least some of you are having fun. Yeah. You try to leave the audience a little better than how you found them. I think that's so powerful. And I think that that's exactly how I feel when I see you on stage is there's like a feeling of like embodiment. Like she's, here she's like present and I think that's what I mean by relax is like there's a groundedness and there's like a confidence that's not it's just coming from being present like freaking present I'm wondering now because I know Jerry Seinfeld has been doing transcendental meditation for years do you have a practice or a part of your life that helps you plug into center no I'm not a centered person and my mom tells me that all the time I That's could always so be loving. more centered. No, I bet it's okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you need to get centered. And I'm like, totally. I'll talk. I'll call you later. Yeah. Uh, I think being on stage is that meditative practice for me. And there are shows where I had one the other night where I got off stage and I was like, what was that? What was I saying? And you go so fast. I have so many things that I want to say. And it's almost like the words are swirling around me. You're just trying to grab each one because you have so much. And sometimes you only have like 20 minutes and I never want to run the light even though so many people do, I always try to be like respectful about that, but have to be present on stage. And I think that's when you see a real professional who's in that moment, which also means you are not married to your material. And I think that that's a great lesson in life too. And it's a great lesson in conversations and being present with people. Somebody says something or a helicopter flies overhead, like to be agile and able to incorporate that. So people get like a bespoke experience that can really never be duplicated. Like the seven o'clock show is not the same as the nine comedy is mathematical and I'm not good at math, but I do know that there is a science to it (laughs) and there are ebbs and flows in the energy. You take the audience really fast, really going really fast for this joke and it's really intense. And then you drop it down. And like, it's like a DJ with a beat drop. Like the crowd wants that and they want to be led and they want to feel safe. And you know, you can't be, at 90 the whole time, sometimes you got to slow it down. And so tapping into that and realizing that vulnerability does get you very far. You don't have to tell them about your C-section scar if you don't want to, but you offering up yourself as an example and criticizing others, but criticizing yourself and sharing that. And when you talk about confidence, you know, I see women's faces like light up role models are so shoved down our throats. Like there's this thing with women where it's like, she's another woman. You need to love her and respect her. She's a rock star. And you're like, I don't know this girl. And I say things that I believe and I see women light up. And I, so I'm, it's kind of this like unspoken agreement. I'm like, yo, I've got you. Like I'm saying things that I know you're thinking and you got to be strong about it because you got to let these guys know who maybe didn't bring their girlfriends. Like, Hey, I'm talking. You will not write me off. I'm going to listen to this and you're going to love it. This next 20 minutes is going to be a lot of fun for everyone. So says I. (laughs) And it is. I feel like that's what's so unique about you. I cringe sometimes with certain female comics because I feel like there's something that they're defending or they're trying super hard or they there's something that just doesn't feel like they're allowing whatever really is them to be enough. And I feel like with you, 
it's just delightful that somebody can just share about their life without being vulgar, without being like super angry at the world. And it's hilarious. And everyone's laughing. Like my husband thinks you're just as funny as Bill Burr. Like, I mean, everybody thinks you're funny. Like, it's not like he prefers a guy to you. He loves you. Like everybody loves you. You just don't have anything to prove. That's how I feel. There's nothing that you're trying to prove. I appreciate that. But I will say, you know, if you think it's frustrating to watch some female comics, you should watch some male comics on some of these lineups because, you know, everybody is allowed to take their crack at this craft. There's no, yeah, there's no one saying you can or can't. And the numbers are, there are less women doing stand up than of men. Course. And so what happens is if you get three women on that lineup and two suck, it's like, wow, female comics, ew. But what nobody ever counts is the like six dudes that just got up and told you the same joke. Sometimes you're just like, I want to grab these guys and be like, dude, the point has already been made. Nobody needs a a lecture on civil rights from you at 26 and you're white. And so, (laughs) you know, women do bear the brunt of it. That's a really good point. Yeah, Everybody's got to go through that. And also it takes time. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get. I have been juggling so much. There's been so much going on with our family and there's also been so much going on at work and it's a lot and sometimes it's uncomfortable. But one thing that I can always count on is how comfortable my Purple mattress is. That's because Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has the grid, a stretchy gel material that's great support for your back and legs and it also cushions your shoulders, neck and hips. Unlike memory foam that craters and divots, the grid bounces back as you move and shift. Plus, you can try your Purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is available also. I think this technology is so fascinating. I've had other mattresses that would keep me up at night because I'd be too hot, but this grid material is designed to circulate the airflow so I don't have to worry about overheating. I love the feel of it too. It's squishy and comfy, and it's going to give you a good night's sleep, which we could all use during these times. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now, you're going to get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash dreamjob10 and use promo code dreamjob10. That's purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. I love trying new wines, but sometimes I get a bottle on a whim that turns out to be a big disappointment and it feels like money down the drain. But having a First Leaf Wine Club membership is like being a VIP in a world of wine. I can discover top-rated wine that I love at an exclusive discounted cost with practically zero effort. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from the best vineyards around the world right to your door. They work with experts and world-class winemakers, so you're getting top wines that are handpicked with preferences and palate in mind. And best of all, you're saving up to 60% off retail on award-winning wine. Plus, you're able to give feedback on the wines and then they curate future wine recommendations based on what you like, which means that the next shipment will only get even better. I've been enjoying the wines I got from First Leaf, especially the Chardonnays from Napa Valley. I love that when it hits wine o'clock, I can have a taste of California even while I'm in Florida. It's so convenient and it's also exciting every time a new box arrives because it's like, ooh, what are they going to send me this time? And since I'm able to rate the wines and give feedback, I really feel like they have a good understanding of my personal taste. Discover new wine like a VIP by becoming a First Leaf member. Join today and you're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dreamjob. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash dreamjob. I think people would want to know about the big break. And I think for you, you might, I don't know, you might say there wasn't really a big break, although it seems as though there was, right? What was the big turning point for you when you're like, oh, I'm being like thrust into stardom? Totally. I will let you know when that happens. I'll let you know when I get there. Dennis Leary spoke at my college graduation. And I remember, I don't remember the whole sentence, but I remember he was like, they say life is short, but it is not. It is long. (laughs) And I remember laughing at that because it was one of the first times I'd heard an adult. uh, I'd been like near a celebrity, but also like it was such a comic thing to say. He's like, you think it's this, but really this is what it is. Yeah. These careers are, this is a hacky metaphor, but and anyone's career, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And that is such a tough pill to swallow when you want everything now and you and people are slow. And especially with the pandemic, I've always, I'm a very fast mover. I like to get things done. 
Like I'll get off the phone after a meeting and I'll call my manager. I'll be like, okay, what are we going to do? She's like, Eliza, the call ended 30 minutes ago. I'm like, and we all have computers. I've had to teach myself to slow down just for my own health, but it's not so much a big break, but I, I guess I saw a real shift after, I guess after Elder Millennial came out, which was my fourth Netflix special, just in terms of a real heavy presence in the zeitgeist. And now here we are a couple of years later, the term elder millennial is being used yep. as if it always existed, um, which is interesting how like long things kind of take, but that was also the real turning point to go from clubs to theaters. And in terms of just being a little bit more relevant, and then I've really only booked a couple of movie gigs ever, but it's this slow build. And that's for anyone, for anything, you know, I am in this job because of my pure love for comedy. And if stand-up wasn't working and I was in a sketch troupe or I became a writer, like I was really just willing to font, like go with the energy. And this happened to work for me. If I have so much respect for actors because if I were just an actor, I would be living at home and I would have booked like three gigs ever. I don't, you know, book a ton of those. There's That's its own skill. You, you meet these people who you go on a bio and it's like entrepreneur, singer, writer dancer graphic designer you can't some people are multi-hyphenate like usher can sing and dance am i old because i said usher you know jennifer lopez sings and dance and acts and like that's legit very few people when i see people they're like i'm a stand-up improv writer da, da, da. you're like the ten thousand hours it takes to actually yeah. make this like a craft yeah. yeah you can do all of them but like this is probably you're probably not going to be selling tickets which is the metric that i use like there are some famous people that you love and I'm like, that person doesn't sell tickets. There are very famous comedians who cannot sell out a theater and that's okay because that may not be what fuels them. They may yeah. be in a movie or they may be on or whatever they're doing. So I guess at the end of the day, none of it really matters because what I'm focused on is stand up, And then because I'm, I'm, I'm good at it and it's allowed me to get to do other things, but so many people want to be good at so many things without actually putting in the work. So the thing that's major about what you said, you literally said, um, I think it was the fourth Netflix special where I started. It's like you've done, I think, five, plus you're on Last Comic Standing, plus you've played a gajillion shows and you're like the fourth Netflix special. This is where these millennials and elder millennials, we are so soft. There is no resilience anymore. We're like, oh no, they didn't like me. And then we give up so easily. Who would think it takes getting not just a Netflix special, but four Netflix specials in is where you're going to see a little bit of a bump and how many people would be up for that. And like you well, said, it's because you're here for the work. Yeah. I'm here for the work because I love stand-up. I didn't know the career that could be made based on this. I didn't look up to any stand-ups growing up and I didn't know the money that could be made. I didn't get into it for that. I didn't even know that there was prize money for last comic standing. Oh like it's God. that thing where you're like, I just need to find that microphone. I mean, now I'm very in tune with the money, but, um, <laughs> and to be honest, when you start, by the way, let's remove the whole like privilege conversation because oh, yes, I went to college and that was great. But I, from the day I got to Los Angeles, I had a job. I worked 40 hours a week. I worked as an, I had a real job. I got a desk job in an office. Because to me, that's what one did. It was ne I was never going to be a waiter because I wasn't auditioning for things. And I didn't even know anything about that. I had a job from like, whatever it was, 8 a.m. to like 6 p.m. Oh every gosh. day. And I would do stand up at night. And I'm not saying like, ooh, uphill both ways. Life's so hard. I'm just saying I did that because that's what I thought I had to do. And I would do stand up at night. And when you're younger, you have the energy to do that. And I just, I didn't even ask anyone's permission for anything. You just go and just do it. So many people see, because of the internet now, they see an influencer, right? And they're like, I'm going to do that. What you don't get, like that influencer may be garbage. Their content may be dumb and they may be making like white trash cheesecake, but they're still making, editing, Photoshopping, posting. Yeah. They're still putting work into that. And <laughs> nobody ever sees anything other than the finished product. Are there people who just have like one comedy special and like they're the flavor of the week are there people who seemingly come out of nowhere yes that's going to be for any industry and they get a chance and but what really matters and I have to believe this because this is the only option I'm left with is that substance 
the people who put in the work day in day out. And persistence isn't always rewarded. Consistency is rewarded in the long term. But I sometimes get passed over because I'm not exotic or because I've always been funny. So it's not a surprise that I've put out something good. Right. But I'm right. here for the long haul. I'm not here to make a splash and be a joke and like hope that the next thing works out. Like you're talking about building foundations, not just for me, but for the team that works yeah. so tirelessly for me. Yeah. You know, there are people invested in me and this is not, you're not trying to be a one hit wonder. I'd rather consistently put out hits and it's okay if one of those doesn't ever make it to number one, at least yeah. I was number five my whole life. <laughs> That's so fascinating what you just said about how people expect me to be good. So I put something else out good and it's like, okay, it's like, wait a minute, that sucks in a way. Cause people are expecting it to be a certain level and then it always is. And so it's like, I've never gotten a Grammy nomination, even for elder millennial. And you're just like, what do I have to do? Right. And that's fine. It's whatever, but you know, or like an Emmy or anything like that. So you, you have to just put aside at a certain point, you have to realize like you are never going to get the validation from the people that you want. If you think about it. Yeah. And that goes from the comic next to me that I want to like me or this random club or this girl, you got to just let it go because they either hate you yeah. or don't think about you either way. <laughs> okay. You've got bigger fish to fry. Yep. Another thing that I find just refreshing about you and different is that I think people um, think that the world of comedy can be dark and that behind the scenes, a lot of those people are living lives that are kind of lonely and on the road. And so sometimes people don't pursue that because they think the cost of doing it would be not having something that feels like safe, grounded, a, a marriage or whatever, but you have that and you you don't seem like you're this tortured, lonely soul going from, you know, you, you just seem like a relatively like happy person. How have you not allowed those green rooms? I'm sure that they're filled sometimes with a lot of darkness, right? How do you not let that sort of take you off course and stay no. true to yourself? You know, it's like, does comedy attract broken people or do people break when they're in comedy? And I think the answer is both. It's like a chicken and the egg thing. There are very sad moments and there are very, you know, like humbling moments. And there are times where you're just like, okay, I, I'll just, what, like, just kill myself. Is that what people want? You know, there are times you feel really, I'm not going to kill myself. There are times you feel really <laughs> bad for yourself, but that's any job. And I guess what it always comes back to is like, are you going to let them take this away from you? Like, are you going to let the actions of someone who probably wasn't even thinking about you decide that you're going to be sad? The answer is sometimes yes. <laughs> We've all got to feel down to like build ourselves back up again. I think also, you know, I have a unique journey in this in that I became a headliner very young. So for better or for worse, and I've talked about this a lot, I bypassed a lot of those years in the trenches that many comics my age are actually still in where you're opening or you're headlining like a B club and you're yeah. on the road and you're hoofing it. And there is no wrong way to do this career. People need entertainment. But because I was always the headliner, I just always assumed anyone being rude because they would be rude. You know, a guy comes into your green room and he's like the third opener and he doesn't look at you or, you know, some guy like harasses you or whatever. I just always assumed it was coming from a place of their own insecurity it's, it's so loud. I've always brushed it off. Now, of course, of course, if you're a woman who doesn't feed into it, then you might get labeled something, but I'm not concerned with that because I know at the end of the day, anybody who knows me, I like my friends. I like being nice. I like helping people and giving chances. If you come to me with an attitude, I will ice you out. And you may interpret that as you will, but chances are, if you walked away thinking I wasn't nice, it's because you were very rude to me. Yeah. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want that energy. I'm extremely susceptible to other people's like vibrations. You ever just meet someone and you're like, oof, bad vibe, bad vibe. Don't, yes. you know, yes. sometimes people are just misunderstood and you have to, as the smarter one, sometimes give people that second chance to like reintroduce themselves. I don't think anybody tries to be mean, but I do think, and a lot of times male insecurity is a very ugly thing. And I see it with girls too. Like other comics don't want to say hi because they're afraid or they're intimidated. And I just, I've never, other than one who I'm thinking of, I've never gotten the cold shoulder from a comic when I've gone, I'm like, hey, 
oh my God, I'm a big fan. That was really funny. That's what we want to hear. So I always get DMs after, even from fans like, oh my God, I didn't want to bother you. And I'm like, I'm not so famous that I'm like being swarmed by pop. Like you can come say hi. I'm not the queen of England. Like you can come say hi. Um, I wish comics, I think somewhere along the way, comics kind of learned in our culture to like be like aloof and like not even see anyone. And it's like, oh man, if you only knew like the worlds of warmth that could be opened by like having a conversation with another comic. It goes back to, to what you first said, which is like, nobody's thinking about you. Like this kind of idea of like, if somebody's coming in with an attitude, it's not about me. It's kind of about them. Right. It's like, it's hundred percent. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt your feelings. Like I still take it. I took it personally the other night when a comic like walked away from me as I was talking and they're like, well, he's just weird. I'm like, I might say something next time, but uh, most people don't mean it. Yeah. And if they do, it's a compliment because they're intimidated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, people are intimidated by you. Uh, It's, it's unique to see somebody who it has a sense of self. And that's the other thing. I think that women in general have been taught to be really, really sweet and really good. And so we need to be nice all the time. And I like that the other side of it is you're like, no, like I don't have to be right. Like, I mean, I, no, the other side of it is I am nice. Well, you are as default. Well, but it's like in general, I, I, and I always try to check myself. I always think because it's so easy this soundbite is going to get taken out of context, but those are bad people. It's so easy to dislike women because it's the lower hanging fruit, right? It's easier to criticize women than it is to actually take a step back and look at the larger picture of the patriarchy that we're all sort of embroiled in. It's easier to call a woman a name versus, and everybody's responsible for their own behavior, but like, I'll hear a woman, I'll be like, oh, her voice annoys me. But then I think like, why does it annoy me? Is it Am I reacting to the fact that she is carrying herself with strength and dignity? And I'm like, right. ooh, bad a lot. You know, like giving it that second thought to be like, what was that that bothered me? And is it really something about myself? Now, you can't do that all the time. Some people are just awful, but we so heavily penalize women for like these mild infractions. Yeah. I have a few more questions, but first, we're just going to take a quick ad break. We all want to be happy and achieve our goals, but it's not always easy. Thankfully, there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so you can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's super convenient. You can start communicating in less than 48 hours, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. They even have financial aid available. BetterHelp offers a wide range of expertise like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, self-esteem, and anything you share is confidential. You're going to get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor anytime. I've been going to therapy off and on since I was 15 years old, and I just think it's always helpful to have someone to talk to. I think it's really great that BetterHelp is making this service more accessible to everyone, especially during this time. You can start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash dreamjob for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp. I find it amazing when women who are strong and cool and funny meet a guy who can make room for that right and like and you can still find him sexy and funny and you did that how did that work that you found your husband that this made sense let me just say this we are too much internet in the world and there's first of all I (laughs) always get like called like strong and I'm like what's strong I just paid my bills in life and like did a job that I love I'm not saving children I'm not spending hours in a lab I'm not up there like debating on a presidential stage you know stand-up is very intimidating but like I'm a girl who loves to kiss her dog on the mouth and really likes it if somebody is sweet to me and I like buying things for like I these are very like feminine sweet things I like making a bed for my husband and I like putting out his vitamins (laughs) like there's these labels even the strong the toughest woman you can even like an MMA fighter like there's still like a duality to that now do my husband and I have like a bit of a role reversal yes but I think it's also this thing where it's so shoved down your throat the type of guy you're supposed to be with the type of guy you're supposed to give a chance to First of all, 
I never gave anybody a chance that I thought was an idiot or an asshole. Women get in these relationships where they constantly give men chances. And it's like, if he makes you feel bad, like that's not a relationship. And I've just always subscribed to that. Yeah. And I can't, I'm not a relationship expert, but like understanding yourself and that your goals matter. I have a podcast and girls are always like, should I quit this school that I'm in to move across country with my boyfriend? No, you have a life too. And your dreams and your goals are just as valid and as important. And that carries through even out of a relationship. I remember being in an improv troupe and a guy would go to talk over me and I'm like, my punchline is just as valid, definitely funnier. Like my shot at this mic is just as important as yours. And it's like, oh, I'm shrinking back. We have to consistently remind ourselves like you don't have, it's not about being a bitch or being too strong. Like you matter just as much and what you want matters. Him paying matters as much as you paying. We've created this culture where it's like, I'm a princess, he should buy me everything. But I also don't want to, you know, like these are not real expectations. Hip hop has set an unrealistic expectation. Instagram has set an unrealistic expectation. You want to find somebody that makes you feel good. Ideally that you're attracted to women are all, it's always like, just go, he's hideous, but he's so sweet. That's not right either. You know? So dating is, you know, you got to kiss a lot of frogs, but I only went out with like strong, silent types who find women like me, who find strong women attractive, but this isn't about like brow beating a guy. I don't have the desire to like dominate a guy in an argument. And you find that balance. And I think so many girls are just so, we feel so bad. And especially as you get older, there's such a pressure. I got engaged at like 35 or 36. And I wouldn't have traded it for the world because I was busy building something. And I was busy being alone on the road and loving my job and dating, like doing whatever. The universe is perfect. I love how you're kind of calling this out that even calling a woman strong for just like doing you is ridiculous what? and it's, it's be- roll over and die and like right and it's because right and it's because we're raised in a way where I just spoke to um, a girl yesterday who said to me I was good at math in fourth grade and I got the side eye from all these guys because it was okay that I was good at English but like I shouldn't be good at math and she's like so I started to shrink for the rest of- so even that no so- more no more shrinking yeah right because there's too many women in this world for you to shrink. There's l- more women than men. So who cares what the guys think? But also, you know, we all want to feel sexy. We all want to feel attractive. There's always going to be that type of guy that doesn't want you that you want. There are so many. I am not the kind, I'm a feminist in that I think everybody's terrible. There are so many good <laughs> men out there. And it's so easy to be like, men are garbage. And it's like, no, you pick garbage consistently the common factor is you and I'm not vilifying you I'm saying like of all the boyfriends I don't talk to a ton of them and if I saw most of them I'd give them a hug like on the street my husband would watch and we'd all be super turned on no (laughs) find people who feel good I've never had that for as much as I talk about men and women I've never had this like I've had psychos in my life but like my boyfriends as an adult like they've been nice people and they're the kind of men that don't find this intimidating my husband he's so secure and that's what you want Male insecurity is a very toxic, dangerous, scary thing. And look for those red flags because I, on our, literally somebody asked me this on our first date, my husband and I went to see a movie and I, I was in shorts. I was trying to have tan legs that summer. Didn't work. And I brought my jeans in my bag and I got out of the movie with him. And I said (laughs) to him, I have a set to do. Uh, You do not have to come. That's totally okay if you don't want to, but if this works out, you're going to have to see the act at some point. And I brought him with me knowing if he didn't like it, that's okay. I don't, you don't have to even love my standup to marry me. I mean, it'd be, it's a little weird if you don't respect right. it at all, but like, <laughs> I don't even care if I'm his favorite comic because it has nothing to do with my mission. You want men that are supportive. And there are so many men out there that are, we're just all trained to look at like a different kind of guy, but there are so many men that like love women that treat women with respect and I bet you there's more out there than not. I love that. It's so right on. And you said before, like you've been attracted to like the the quiet, the strong, quiet types. So I'm such a talker and an extrovert. And my husband is much more like the quiet type. And sometimes I feel like I'm coming out of my skin. How do you do that when this is so the world that you swim in is like the 
talkative, like expressive, creative place. And then you're sitting at dinner or you're taking a walk and he's cool. Just like being quiet. How does that not make you anxious? Oh my God. There have been times where I plan out a whole, most women do this. I plan out a whole argument in my head, like a fictional argument of course. that's never going to happen. And it's your way of sort of anticipating the worst so that you're prepared because as a comic, you always want to, and it's bad because it takes up energy and it's draining. It's <laughs> we'll be like on our walk and I'll just be like, yeah. And then he's going to be like, okay, well, I don't want to book you for that. And then I'm going to be like, okay, well, here are the other people you booked. And then my husband will be like, and then what does he say? I'll be like, and then he is, is, is honest with me about how much money that he's like, and then what do you say? Like, he thinks it's very funny or I'll get fired up. He'll be like, who are you talking to right now? <laughs> Or like, you've already told me this. So I think someone making fun of you who loves you is like one of the greatest ways to show love. He makes, he doesn't do it often, but when he makes fun of me, I just like drop to the floor crying because he would never, I know that he would never do anything to hurt me. So him making fun of me and it's like, yeah, Eliza, like take it, like take it easy. The amount of times he'll be like, Eliza, you are out of breath chewing and I can hear your jaw clicking. Like you need to take it easy. I'm like, okay. He's like, why don't you get out a plate and a fork and not just eat over the sink? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll take it easy. <laughs> you guys are so cute. How did you meet Noah? Were you set up or how did no, you? No, I had never, I met him on a dating app. I met him on Raya and I had never done a dating app because I've always been like just famous enough that it's irritating, but not so <laughs> famous that like it's helpful. And I got out with a couple guys and then I met him and like, that was that. But you want the balance. And I don't know, like, ask your mother what you need. Like, my mom got married a little bit later in life. So I always assumed I would too. And I love a funny guy, but there's different kinds of funny. And I'm not a loud person. And I'm not like an energy suck. Like, I don't walk into a room like, look who's here. Like, that's horrible. (laughs) But you find someone and it naturally, you know, you fill in where the other one left off. You guys are adorable. I've seen the videos of the two of you doing your cooking together and cute stuff. Um, so if you haven't seen that, if you're listening, go watch them. They're adorable. Or watch Don't so, Panic Pantry, Mondays and Thursdays on my Instagram. Yes. And speaking of the social and the content, tell me about podcasting and why did you decide to start a podcast on top of everything else that you do? Okay. So my first podcast was called Truth and Eliza. And that was several years ago. And I started it because I want to have my own late night show or my own talk show. And I thought this would be a great way to work on interviewing skills. This was several years ago. So this is like podcasts were big, but this is before literally everyone had a podcast. Um, And I did it just as a way to get better at it because almost every comic has a podcast. Not every comic should, not everybody should. You know, this is a lovely interview, but the amount of people who (laughs) give just terrible interviews where, you know, when you watch late night show hosts, whether you like them or not, like I did Jimmy Kimmel and I was so amazed. He would ask me questions and he would listen and he wasn't waiting for his turn to talk and he wasn't waiting to like give his story. Right. Right. And I'll never forget this. I did Jimmy Kimmel right before the pandemic happened, like the day before. Thank God I got it in. And uh, he asked me a question about like the first time I did stand up. And I gave the answer and then we go to commercial and he, he and I just like lean in to talk and he, and I, the first time I did stand up was on a ship and he leaned in and he goes, my first time doing stand up was also on a ship. And he was like, it was like a cruise with my family. I go, why didn't you say anything? He goes, I wanted you to have your moment. And I was like, the, that's the most egalitarian, like elegant thing a man in comedy has ever said yeah. or allowed me. <laughs> Anyways, I started a podcast to do that. Then, especially during the pandemic, it's been an outlet. It's a way to entertain you know, you're always, as an artist, I'm always looking for ways to diversify the ways in which I entertain. If someone came up to me and said, would you like to do a Broadway play? I'd say, yes, I will find an acting coach and I will be there. It's always about like challenging yourself and other streams of revenue. <laughs> so tell, tell, tell us what people can expect from the podcast that you're doing now, Ask Eliza Anything. Ask Eliza Anything is a listener-driven show where people send in their questions. You can ask me life advice questions, basic questions, what any kind of question about anything, and you submit them to our Ask Eliza Anything Instagram account. We call the best ones, and it's an advice show where we shout out your name and we answer your questions. And it's great because you don't have to book a guest. You can have guests on when you want them, but there isn't the pressure to do that, which of course you understand. And we've created our own little fiefdom of questions and answers and advice. It's fun. 
It's a fun, digestible show. I love that you're like anything. If you want to know how to get to Montana, if you want, no, but I mean, what, I are the, that answer. what are the craziest kinds of questions that you're asked? What's the range from like the most normal to like something out there? It's really a lot of personal. A lot of them are like, I want to do this. My boyfriend wants me to move in with him in Albuquerque. What, right. you know, just me doing my best to say to girls who are like maybe younger sometimes like, Hey, like you matter too. Sometimes we'll get guys asking like, was I the creep? Here's what happened. Sometimes we'll do a deep dive on the account and like, I'll be like, look, I looked you up. You are not ugly. You do not need to put up with this. So it's just their chance for me to like give you insider info from like a hot take on your life (laughs) or chicken strips or chicken nuggets. Which one's more valid? I love that you chose this. And again, it's just so you because I feel like so many other comics would have had a podcast where they just talk to their famous friends, which would have been fine and delightful. I only have Maya Bialik and Sharon Stone. Other than that, and maybe <laughs> oh like God, Joe what Such different I women. <laughs> I just think also it's like a lot of podcasts are like the same people interviewing each other over and over. Right. And luckily for me, I'm naturally funny. So I'm like, I'm just going to do this on my own. But I love creating a rapport with the fans. The artwork they made me, like the world that we've created together, I enjoy existing in that and bringing in people that I want to versus have to. I also... I work alone, so I don't have as many famous friends as I should. I just, I don't like the asking thing, but some people do it well, like Rob Lowe, right? Like he's got the, when you're super famous, anyone will do it. I don't know if I can handle the rejection of hearing like, you know, like Melissa Milano is busy this week. <laughs> that would yeah. never happen to you. How do you feel about the pandemic and the fact that the live show thing, like, has it been killing you? Like, are you so ready to get on stage or are you finding that something else is like, being born inside of you from the space that this has created? You know, it was really hard. The pandemic hit and look, don't DM me like, I lost my aunt. That was really hard for sure. Like nobody has a monopoly on tragedy. (laughs) So don't tell me kids are starving in Africa if I say I hurt my foot. Like, okay, I get the perspective. It was really, you know, we were about to launch this like 40 city tour and a Europe tour and Asia, like all this stuff. And it overnight disappeared. In addition to the constant in my life, which had been like getting up every night and all the clubs closed. So there are a couple of comics in LA who really worked hard to very quickly produce COVID safe live shows. Yeah. And I've been doing those for several months now. One of them is this woman named Tammy Joe, who does magic asphalt, which is in the parking lot of the magic castle. It's a drive-in and she COVID compliant and it's a drive-in and that's really cool in terms of like keeping a scene alive. So it's interesting because like, everything that you knew was taken away. And it's interesting to see, and a lot of people moved away, like who has emerged the way that the landscape has shifted and you got to just go with it. Like, it's not the same as it was. The life you knew is over. My tour is relaunching. So I'm, I'm optimistic about that. The word good is I'm reticent to use it, but what was good quote unquote about this, you know, when you get your not crutch, but like when you get your thing taken away, the thing that you do, if you don't have to, like I, fortunate for me, like I didn't have to go get a day job, you know? So I had a chance to think, well, what else can I do with this time? And I remember there was this article at the beginning, I think it was like in the New York times or something. Also, I want to let people know that I read New York times. Uh, that's my way of letting you know, it might've been the New Yorker. I don't know. I read the, I click on the articles and then they're like, you didn't pay for this. Um, but it was just like, you don't have to be busy during the pandemic. Like it's okay to not be busy. It's okay to not be productive. And I was like, nice try. Don't gaslight me into thinking it's okay not be productive. I will be here in this time. Not only did we create this cooking show. So yesterday we celebrated a year anniversary of doing this cooking show with my husband. I sold a book um, that I wrote during this, the pitch for it. I worked on the screenplays that I wanted to finish up. And I have a couple of other things coming out. Like I really use this time to tend to all the other projects that kind of only get little droplets of my attention because stand-up was so all-consuming. Yeah. And I think I'm coming out a more balanced entertainer because I was able to to tend to those things. And it turns out I don't need stand-up to breathe, but I do enjoy it for thriving. So I'm happy to get back to that. So good. My only follow-up question to that is whenever I think of those like 40 city tours and all that, and I know you've been doing that, how do you do that? and not feel exhausted or 
how does it stay fun? And like, you wake up and you don't even know like, what city am I in? Hello, Baltimore. Are we, where are we? Like, how do you do that? And that is not something that becomes just exhausting, but actually you thrive in that environment. You don't, it is exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting. Get you a good eye cream with algae, get an eye cream, try to, I mean, as I get older, I need like 10 hours of sleep and I'm not a night owl. So my big MO after I always try to like push the tickets. I'm like, let's do a seven and a nine, not an eight and a 1030. My MO is like, finish that show, eat as much as I can go to bed. You find ways, you know, like, do you take the later flight? Always buy a first class ticket, like doing whatever you can to afford yourself some comfort, but it is exhausting. And sometimes you don't realize how exhausting it is until like five days later, it just like hits you like that energy catches up, but it's like jumping on a trampoline. It's exhausting but you're having the best time. So it kind of doesn't matter that you're exhausted. And the second you get on that, you're just so happy to be there with the people. I love doing that job. And honestly, for the longest time, it was, it is such a great outlet to have when Hollywood says no to you so much, then you get to go on the road and see the rest of the country and realize like re-reminding that's right. We're all one country. These people are not evil because they live in a different state or vote differently. And I really love being an American and I love having a working knowledge of the cities and states and that keeps me going, but it is exhausting. And I look tired all the time. How do you get on stage and not ever get scared that you're going to forget? You do these sets that are like an hour and I'm like, how does she remember? How do you not get freaked out that you might forget something in minute 38? You do. You move past it. And you're cool. Do I have nightmares about it all the time yes <laughs> the same nightmare where I forgot my lines for a play and I can't get the class sometimes you do but you're confident enough and like you've done this enough like oh my god it happened the other night I went on a rant and then I got stuck on like a thing that I'd improvised and I was like what was I talking about and it took a full 15 seconds of so people going like I just listened oh, you to literally said to what, them what was I talking what about I, I love about? that what everyone thinks I was talking about and then someone's like School districts are like, that's it. Okay, we're back in. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. You're never going to forget enough that you're like, and I got to put this mic down. Or you just move past it and come back to it later. And that's the art of it is working it back in. You forget sometimes. And that's I love that. I love that you're just like, what was I talking about? Like, you let it be okay that you are being obvious about the fact that you forgot. Sometimes I bring notes. Sometimes I don't. If it's like new stuff, I'll bring like little words that I've written down. It's never the art of this job is not the memorization. It's the performance. So who cares if somebody had to look at a piece of paper or if they forgot something, like, are you having fun? Good. So good. You're the best. Tell us where we can find you, your podcast, your cooking show, your book, your everything. People have already turned off, but for those of you that are still listening, uh, (laughs) don't panic pantry is Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we just did a Le Creuset giveaway because they're one of our sponsors. Mm. Um, it's Mondays and Thursdays on my <laughs> IG live, my podcast, ask Eliza anything's on Wondery. It's where all normal podcasts are found. And <laughs> I always post when I'm doing, I'm doing, I do shows every weekend in LA. So it's always on my Instagram. I live on my Instagram, but if you want tickets to see me in another city, it's Eliza.com slash tour. How much <laughs> do you love great. that you own that URL? It's just like, it's mine. Eliza. I bought it so early and I bought Eliza Schlesinger in case someone wanted to do something weird with it. I got it. You are the cutest. This was so fun. Isn't she so cool? She's the best. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, there are no rules. There's no wrong way to start your path. Number two, go where the current takes you. Number three, people aren't invested in whether you fail or succeed, so get it done. You only have one life and you came here to play. Number four, don't be married to your material. Be agile and incorporate whatever comes. Give your audience an experience that never can be duplicated. Number five, making it in any career is a marathon, not a sprint. Show up for the work. Be here for the long haul. Number six, there are worlds of warmth that can be opened just by having a conversation. Number seven, don't be with someone who makes you feel bad. You matter and your goals matter. And number eight, diversify the ways you can serve and challenge yourself. Okay, now we're going to celebrate some of the wins from our alumni of Made to Do This. Beth said, one thing I've accomplished that I'm so proud of is starting my podcast, Daughters Without Moms. So far, I've already interviewed 15 women who share their story of losing their mom. Hearing their stories has been such a privilege and the feedback received from the women and those who listen has been that it is very therapeutic and meaningful. I have published 12 episodes so far, which means I've made it past the number where most people stop. As of now, there are over 680 downloads. I am beyond thrilled that these episodes are being received so well. 
Thanks to Made to Do This for the tools and added confidence to show up messy and be a C student. The recordings are not perfect, but they are published. And that's the most important part. Beth, that's really incredible. You should be so proud of yourself. I mean, these are really important stories that need to be told. And you're doing an amazing service by giving these women a platform to let this voice be heard. And all these other moms get a legacy in these stories being shared. Everyone can go listen to Beth's podcast. It's called Daughters That Moms. And I'm just so touched that you're making this happen. It's incredible. Another amazing win is from Liz. Liz said, one of the most important achievements I've had in my business is having the courage to charge what my work is worth thanks to the experiences and comments my clients have had with me since the course ended. They have even told me that I have encouraged them to move forward to concretize their ideas and give them the confidence to launch their brand and work on their passion. One of the most enriching experience I have had is seeing one of my clients, who is also from the Made to Do This group, grow personally. From having a lot of ideas and not completing any of them to taking action and trusting in herself and showing herself as she is in her social networks. Liz, that is really an important win. And I love that you found your confidence and you're stepping into your power and charging what you deserve and helping these women make these huge strides. I can't wait to see how this keeps growing. Let's all give Liz some love. Her Instagram is at my true design. That's M Y T R U design. All right. Now I want to announce our giveaway winner. We're giving away some adorable swag every Monday and Thursday. We're doing hoodies. We're doing mugs. If you want a chance to win, all you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on Apple podcasts or even easier, go live on your Instagram and talk about this podcast and tag me at kathy.heller. Not only will I repost it, but you will be entered into the giveaway. Today's winner is Nostalgia96. Here's what they said. I started listening to this podcast a couple years ago and fell in love. I listened to it all the time. After several months, I stopped for no particular reason and also found myself really struggling with self-doubt. When I started listening again, I realized what a big difference it had been making on my confidence and overall mood. It's like a fresh and sunny spring day on demand. Listening to it has helped me gradually stop keeping my dreams a secret. I was terrified people would think that they're silly. Kathy validates the hope that I've always had, but frequently second guess. She and her guests have shared all sorts of practical ideas and helped me become a more creative problem solver. They show me that we live in a time where anything is really possible. It's just a matter of figuring out the how, and that how isn't nearly as enigmatic as it may seem. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for writing this review. Thank you all so much for your DMs. You lift me up. You support me in ways that you could never possibly know. I so appreciate you, and I so appreciate that you're here listening because I know I know that your time is the most valuable thing you have. So it's really humbling that you spend it here with me. Remember, you can sign up to spend a day with me at our virtual retreat. It's called Welcome Soul. You can go to welcomesoul.com to get your ticket. It'll be Sunday, April 11th from 10 to 6. We're going to be doing some meditation, some breath work, some journaling, some reflection. We'll have special guests like Susie Moore and Heidi Stevens and Rabbi David Aaron. And we will be using the time to come into alignment with what we really want to create. And we will use the time to do the real work in how to manifest our greatest desires. I'm so, so excited. So I can't wait to see you there. You can go to welcomesoul.com to get your ticket. If you want more episodes like this, then go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because you don't want to miss what's coming up. And go ahead and leave a review while you're doing it so that you can be eligible for the giveaway. Lastly, I'm curious if you enjoyed this episode and I'm curious if you can think of one person who loves Eliza or one person who would be inspired by this conversation with Eliza. If so, I'd love you to text the link to this episode or email them the link to the episode. And what's even more fun is to either take a screenshot or go onto your Instagram stories and just talk about the podcast and tag Eliza at Eliza S. That's I-L-I-Z-A-S. And you can also tag me at Kathy.Heller, Kathy's with a C, and I will repost a bunch of those. And I'm sure it'll make Eliza really happy to see that you enjoyed this conversation. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine. And since we're doing episodes every single day, I'll talk to you again tomorrow.